I'm excited. I've had like about a pot and a half, of co- mostly espresso. All right, so I'll probably be bouncing around a little bit. Everybody keep an eye on Jeff Coochie, trying to keep him awake today. All right, uh, if you had a chance to listen to Pastor Bill's video this week, just raise your hand real quick, his video blog. Okay, so this week he talked about uh, walls and barriers, things that uh, stand between us and others, uh, our family members and friends, uh, things that stand between us and God, things that hinder our growth. And I don't know if you had time to meditate on that or think about that, but I helped him with a video. So I had a week or so just to have that bouncing around in my head. And I took that with me to Old Orchard Beach this week. Uh, what a beautiful place, you know. Beautiful, beautiful beach. Um, had an amazing time. Uh, stayed with some friends of mine down there. I actually got to uh, scratch something off my bucket list. This wasn't intended, but I, I went down to the beach, took a swim. Turned out it was a polar dip. Okay. What was it, 50 degrees, something like that? It was ridiculous. It was painful. Uh, it was, It was. yeah, there's the picture, all right. Ice floating around in the water. Incredible. Incredibly cold. Uh, but you know what, what really I was taken aback about <clears throat> was there a lot of unhappy people there. A lot of unhappy people. Not us. You know, we had a good time. But I was thinking, you know, why are you guys, why are people so unhappy? What's going on? You know, it's, it's a holiday. None of us have to work. We're all off from work. We're at the beach, right? We're in Maine, which is a, just an amazing place to be. We have a Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, we have a Chick-fil-A. Uh, we have Stephen King, right? What's not to like about that? A little bit creepy. All right. But we have Stephen King. Uh, we have, yeah, we've got Tom Brady, right? And the mighty, mighty Patriots. All right. Hey, and if you love any other team, we love you guys too. All right. All right. Except the Jets. We're not sure about the Jets right now. Um, and in another month or so, maybe six weeks, uh, it'll still be summer, right? So winter doesn't start for like another month and a half. So be happy, right? I mean, be happy. So, uh, but look, w- we don't always know why someone's unhappy. We don't always know. Uh, a lot of times there's a good reason for it, but we can tell, right, when someone's not happy. You can see it in their face. You can see it in how they act. I like to look for abstract indicators, Right, that someone's not happy. So let me just I'll share a couple of those, then we'll, get, we'll jump right in. So the first abstract indicator that someone is unhappy deep down inside is that they drive one of these. <laughs> okay. And if they're not when they buy it, they're unhappy quickly because everybody just points and you laugh every time you see one. You can't help yourself. All right? That's problematic if you see someone driving a smart car. Uh, the other one is if you see this sticker on the back of anyone's car, Okay, this means... Uh, that that person likes to run 13.1 miles for fun. Okay, and let's just cut. Let's just cut straight to it. There's nothing happy about any part of that equation. Some of them run double that. All right, a real marathon. So, um, uh, and the last one, and look, we're all going to agree on this. I don't really need to show it, but I'll show it anyway. If you do this, then there's a problem. All right. If you're a kid, if you're a kid in here, you can walk anything and you're cute. Cat, dog, hamster, it doesn't matter. You can't do that if you're an adult male, all right? <laughs> Even if you, if you can pull off that cool shirt, which I love, it's still, you know, this guy needs church, right? He just needs to go to church, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> all right, so having a little bit of fun with you guys, because today we are going to talk about being happy, being joyful, being filled 
with joy, and now I'm going to turn the spotlight on you. Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you filled with joy? It's a simple question, right? Simple question. And you knew the answer the instant I asked the question. You had an answer. Chances are your answer was no. Or your answer was, yes, I'm happy, but these areas are not happy. Okay, And that kind of lines up uh, with the reality that around 80% of us say we're not happy. Isn't that remarkable? 80%. Now, those statistics always vary. But did you know that you're supposed to be happy? Did you know that? We want you to be happy, right? You want you to be happy. No one wakes up in the morning and says, man, I hope I'm unhappy today. I hope I'm so miserable and that everything bad happens, right? And I can just share that with everybody. Did you know that God wants you to be happy? Did you know that he commands us to be happy? He does. Being miserable, being unhappy, being without joy is a terrible witness to others. All right, think about that. When, when someone is miserable and unhappy and they express that in everything they do, why would anybody want to follow that person? Why would anybody see that Christian and say, man, I want to be just like that guy? All right, he's saved. I know he's miserable, but man, that's not the price of salvation, you guys. It's a terrible witness. And real quick, I'm not saying we, uh, we just go through life like dummies, happy with everything. Okay? It's not just an empty bliss. Okay? We will be hurt. We will be sad. Someone's going to die. Things like that are going to happen. And we have to respond to those things like humans with emotions. But by and large, most of the time, more often than not, we should live a life of joy. Okay, so... I'm going to prove it to you. You can go and open your Bibles if you want, open your uh, Bible apps. Uh, today's going to be an easy day. Okay, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be easy. We're going to talk about some myths associated with happiness. We're going to talk about a few steps you can take to become happy, to live a happy life today, now, not next week, not next month, not later. Okay, then after that, we're all going to, about 20 minutes maybe, if you give me 20 minutes or so, 25 at the most, we're all going to go to Elevation Burger from here in Augusta. All right, because if you've never been there, you've got to go, right? You've got to go to Elevation Burger. And Christians are allowed there. I go there all the time, <laughs> all right? All right, here's what God tells us about being happy, about being joyful. It's a montage. I'm going to go through it quickly. The verses will be up here if you want. The, look, these verses, it's throughout the Bible, okay? We're going to look at Psalms. We're going to look at Paul real quick. Here we go. Let those who seek God rejoice and be glad. Rejoice in the Lord, all who are righteous, and give thanks. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praise. Be glad and rejoice with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Everything. Even that stuff. The last two are from the Apostle Paul. The first ones are from the Old Testament. The uh, left side of your Bible, uh, Psalms. All right? Let's hold there for a moment. I want you to consider something, okay? I want you to consider. Why are we so unhappy? 
do we not live in the most prosperous country in the history of the world, the most giving country in the history of the world? What can we do that we don't want to do? As long as we don't kill somebody or blow something up, we can do it. We've got it made in this country. So why are we so unhappy? Here's why. The reason why is because people live in disorder. They live in chaos. And they live with no real purpose. And if your life is in disorder, if you are living in chaos and you have no purpose, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You will have moments of happiness. You will have moments of joy. You will have flashes. But you will not have sustained happiness. It won't happen. Scripture tells us happiness is found in a properly ordered life. Amen. All right? Amen. What does that mean? We need a proper approach to life. We need a biblical approach. All right? So first, let's look at some myths about happiness. These are walls. These are barriers. Okay, and myth number one, having everything I want, everything I desire will make me happy, right? No, it won't. That's why 70% of Powerball winners end up, what, bankrupt or dead, right? And they don't die of old age. Okay, I'm not talking about that. They die because someone in their family kills them for their money or they commit suicide or they die from drugs and alcohol. Not true. Remember Solomon? You guys have heard about Solomon, son of King David, right? Uh, built the temple, most wise man in the world, most money, uh, all the way up until I think Bill Gates. That's Solomon, okay? He's the guy that said, hey, uh, if you're fighting over the baby, cut the baby in half, right? And both of you take half. Had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Now look. It may be just me, but look, if you have 700 wives, what's, what are you doing with the concubines, right? <laughs> just marry them, all right, or do something, right? But you need 300 concubines on top of that. Here's what Solomon said. End of his life, Ecclesiastes, he wrote this book. End of his life, he was empty and he was vexed, okay, terribly distressed. Here's what he writes. All the labor of man is for the mouth, for the senses, and yet the soul is not satisfied. Abdal Rahman, 8th century Muslim leader of Iberia. Not a Christian. Here's what he says. Listen to what this guy says. Listen to this. I have now reigned 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, fame, dreaded by my enemies, and respected by my allies. Riches and honors, power and pleasure have waited on my call, my beck and call. No earthly blessing appears to have been wanting in me. In this situation, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness. They amount to 14 days. O oh man, place not thy confidence in this present world. Fifty years of reigning with anything you wanted. You had 14 days of happiness. Having everything you desire will not make you happy. It's a myth. Number two, if I was a different person, I would be happy. If I was skinny, if I had more muscle, 
if I was a different sex, if I was a different color, that will make me happy. That's not true either. That's an identity crisis. That's what we call that. Okay, and there's a guy named Charles Stoddard, which you probably haven't heard of this guy. Uh, I haven't heard of him. Wrote lots of books I've never read, but he has a brilliant quote. We love in others what we lack in ourselves. Amen? Amen. And would be everything but what we are. The guy's a brilliant. Who we are, our true identity, is children of God. Like it or not. Sons and daughters of God. Here's how Paul puts it. For in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. When you join the family, you're a child of God. And until you come to terms with your true identity, you will never be cool enough or happy enough or strong enough or big enough or rich enough or powerful enough. You'll never measure up. You will not find sustained joy until you come to terms with that. Uh, Michael Jackson. You could be Michael Jackson. He was rich and powerful and famous, right? Terribly depressed, miserable. How about Marilyn Monroe? Everyone who knew her knew that she was terribly depressed and terribly miserable. Now, you may not know this guy. <clears throat> His name is Shia LaBeouf or Shay LaBeouf or some weird variation. Uh, this kid was in Indiana Jones. He was in Transformers, super rich, super famous. He's a nutball. He has lost his mind and is completely miserable. He's doing all sorts of wacky things. He's best friends with Bumblebee, and he's not happy. Something's seriously wrong if your best friend is a giant robot from outer space, and you're not happy. Here's a secret. Let me tell you a secret, you guys. I wish I could bring every one of you into a room with me and just address this directly to you. We love you. Your friends and your family love you because of who you are right now. We don't love you because hopefully you lose 50 pounds. We don't love you because you're going to get a degree and be smart. We don't love you because next week you're going to get the cool haircut. Or one day you're going to write a book. Or, 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 or. We love you. Everyone loves you, the ones that do love you, because of who you are right now. And the other ones don't care. All right. Myth three, if I could be somewhere else. If I could be somewhere else. That's only true if you're from Louisiana or New Jersey. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's where I'm from. Okay? <clears throat> I tried that. I tried escaping. Okay? Doesn't work. Remember the Israelites. All right? They're in Egypt. They're slaves. Their entire nation is enslaved. God sends Moses, right? You've heard the story. God sends Moses. They rescue the Israelites, and they're dancing on their way out of town and singing. They're making up raps and songs and things. They're dancing out of town. People are giving them gold and everything because it's so, it's so amazing. And the instant that there's hardship, they want to go back. We don't want to be here anymore. We want to be back there. If we're back there, things will be better again. Every time something happens, they get hungry. Let's go back. They get thirsty. Let's go back. It's dangerous. Let's go back. 
It was never about geography. Geography cannot make you happy. You can be happy wherever you're at. Amen? Wherever you're at. Last myth. If I could get out from underneath all these rules, I would be happy. All right, our kids think that when they leave home, right, till they get the first, uh, you know, monthly bills. And they realize, wait, my, my one-bedroom apartment isn't as cool as my parents' house. <laughs> All right? Think of the prodigal son. He thinks he can do things his way. <clears throat> Better, smarter. So he says, Dad, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go out and do it on my own. Right? You've probably heard this story a thousand times. Even if you're not religious, you've heard this story. He goes out, and the Bible says uh, what he does is called loose living. Okay? He blows his money. He goes wild. He does everything wrong. He ends up destitute. And he comes back home to his father. And this is my favorite rendition <clears throat> of the prodigal son. Because this kid is dra- He's hanging off of his fa- He can't even hold himself up. That is how we are when we show up in front of God. When we finally realize that all the stuff we've been doing isn't working and we can't do it on our own, that's our condition. God has to do everything. And that's the bigger picture of the prodigal son, that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter how miserable you are, no matter how rotten you've been, no matter what the crimes are, no matter how terrible you've treated, how many bridges you've burned, when you turn away from all of that, because it's not going to fix you, it's not going to help you, turn away from all that and you look to your father and you just go to him and you say, this hadn't worked. I can't do it. I have failed completely. This will not save me. God, will you please take me back? Father, can I come home? Right? And what's the Bible say? God says yes. Then you can begin to experience this kind of indescribable joy that crazy people like me talks about to anyone who will listen. But not until then. All right, so let me make this absolutely clear. This last myth, everybody on planet Earth has to submit to somebody. There's never a situation where that's not the case. Ever. Never. Ever. And the people who live without restraint, God bless you, people who live without restraint are the unhappiest of all. Those are the people who end up damaged and afflicted and addicted and in dire straits because they're not following just some basic rules, some basic constraints that are not always designed to control the masses, right? They're not always designed to brainwash you. They're designed to help people. All right, that's it with the myths. So if those things aren't going to make us happy, if that's not going to do it, consider what Paul wrote, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again rejoice. This is Paul, right? Super happy life, this guy. All right? He was happy. He was filled with joy. He did rejoice. You, you can't read anything by Paul without him starting off talking about how amazing God is. 
All right? He's completely sold out for God, loves God, loves talking about God. That's his whole life. But his life, especially the last few years, not so happy. Okay, probably if you compare your life with Paul's life, Paul's going to have it pretty bad. He was beat up everywhere he went. He was stoned one time, right? Not that kind of stoned. He was stoned with rocks and left for dead. His friends were executed, right? He was in jail a lot. When he wrote this letter, he was in prison. He was handcuffed to a guard 24 hours a day, no privacy. He was waiting for a meeting with Nero. You've heard that name. Nero was the emperor who liked to burn Christians at night for night lights. That wouldn't be fun to meet that guy. That was Paul's life. He was shipwrecked. He was bit by a snake, poisonous snake. I mean, he had it uh, very bad, very tough. Here's, uh, uh, here's Paul's secret to happiness. Well, we're going to talk about Paul's secret. What was it? Why could you go through all of that and still be happy? Paul talks about a few conditions uh, of, a, of, of a happy life. And uh, he talks about them throughout his letters. Here's the first condition, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mention a few. A godly outlook to life. That's the first condition. Usually we look at a problem, and the way we look at that problem is worse than the problem. How many times have you had a meeting or a first day of school or a first day of work or, or you're in trouble and you focus on that so long and so bad, and you get stressed out, and you're nauseated, you're not eating, everything's terrible, then you go to the meeting, yeah, it wasn't so bad. Right? Just me? Perspective makes all the difference. God has a purpose behind every issue. Every issue. We just don't always see it. Look at this picture. This is a mess. It's ugly. I don't want that thing hanging on my wall. I don't even know what it is. But when you flip it over, that's what it is. I'll take that. I'll put that on my wall, right? We often see the process. We see the chaos, and we get stuck in the chaos and in the process. We don't see the end results. Paul wants to convert Rome. He wants to save this giant military machine, this superpower, and what does he get? Thrown in prison. Talk about deflating. Right? Here's Paul's response to having his whole life's goal squashed. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul sees the big picture. He's not stuck in the details. He's not stuck in the process. And the, the, the goal there, the lesson there, is that God's purpose is bigger than ours. It's bigger than our purposes. All right? Condition two, know what is important and what is not. In other words, prioritize. Okay, Paul's in prison. And while he's in prison, people are out on the streets preaching Christ, and they're not being nice to Paul. They're being insulting. Paul's response, what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I'm happy. I don't really care what they're saying about me because they're preaching Christ. What's important is that the gospel spreads. Paul's priority is clear. He will not let criticism or rivalries steal his joy. Do not let criticism or rivalries steal your joy. There will always be differences of opinion, right? There will always be people to irritate you. Don't let petty things ruin your day. Don't lose sleep over those things. Don't let it steal your joy. It's nonsense. The last condition is to know your purpose. Paul's purpose is to preach the gospel. That's his reason for living, and his goal provided him with fulfillment in life. If you don't have a purpose, you won't have that fulfillment. He's happy. He's satisfied with what he is doing. You can take away his freedom. You can take away his privacy. You can take away his friends, his comfort. But you can't take away his joy at what he's doing for the Lord, right? Amen? No one can take that away, ever. Paul sums it up like this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, look, I'd rather just die and go to heaven. I don't want to be here. I'd rather be with Jesus in heaven. But I know it's good if I'm here for a little bit longer to help you, to talk to you, to pray with you. But either way, life or death, I'm good. Right? Amazing. Paul's living for others. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that statistically people who serve others are happier right, than all the rest of us. They're filled with joy. That's because they're living a noble purpose, right? And, the, and it's also not a coincidence that the people are serving only themselves are typically miserable. Okay, now don't raise your hand if you've ever been depressed or known someone who is, but if you are, if you have any experience with depression, you know the more you focus on yourself, the worse things get. And one of the first treatments, aside from just doping people up, is to go out and do something for someone else. Get outside of yourself. Get out of your own head and go help someone. Right? Always good advice. So there they are. The keys to happiness, according to Paul. There's a bunch of them. That's a few. If you live by those biblical principles, <clears throat> your life will not magically become perfect. But problems just won't seem as significant. So what if my plans don't work? God's got bigger purposes, and those are more important than my purposes. Now listen, when you leave here, I don't want you to leave with this. Uh, if I do these things, everything's going to be wonderful and happy. If I become a Christian, life's going to be, become perfect. You would be shocked at the amount of people who say that to me. Your life will still be a wreck at times. You're still going to have bills. Cars going to break down. People are going to die. When your children get sick, you're going to be a mess. It's universal. We're human. We lose it at times. This just means that when your mind and soul are working together and under the assumption that God knows what he's doing and is in control and you're working with him, <clears throat> you can live in joy. 
most of the time. Amen? All right, Pastor Ben, you said that this could change my life now. I did. Here's how. Write these down if you want. First thing to do is pray. That God will show you his view, how to see things from his perspective. That he will show you what's important and what is not. And that he will help you find your purpose. If you don't talk to your wife, you will not have a happy marriage. Right? Isn't that awesome? Uh, same thing with your husband. Not quite as much. You know, husbands don't often talk as much, but they're, you know, they're usually okay if you don't talk to him for a while. It's the same way with God, my friends. It's the same way with God. If you don't talk to God, don't expect to become a, a, a spiritual guru. Don't expect the, the heavens to open up because you acknowledged God 25 years ago. If you don't talk to God, I wouldn't expect much at all. <clears throat> so everything starts with prayer. Everything always starts with prayer. The next thing, look at everything from God's view. Stop talking, not you guys right now, but just stop talking about everything and start doing these things. Look for God's view. Look for the God's eye view in situations. <clears throat> Remember the tapestry. What is this mess? What's the end game? What, what's God trying to do? And try to discern those things. It takes work. It takes turning off your brain and, and, and letting God talk to you and thinking about things. Prioritize. You cannot do everything. I know many of us think we can. We can't. You cannot do everything. Pick a few. Focus on those things. All the rest, let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me. It bothered me at Old Orchard Beach, I can tell you that. It was painful. All right. I'm glad you guys responded to that. I've <clears throat> heard that song ever since I went to watch it with the Redmonds. We've heard that song 6,000 times since then. Uh, and the final thing, know your purpose. And it has to be significant. Something that helps others. And I'm sorry, but surfing is not a purpose. Okay? It looks fun, but it's not. Okay? I was, I've been at the beach for like a week, so I just saw surfers and everything's got water themes. Okay? <clears throat> you can show the next one, too. That's real. <clears throat> it's not Photoshopped. Who, think about this. Who or, or what can you invest in that will be pleasing to God? If it doesn't do that, if it doesn't answer a who or what that you can do that's going to be pleasing to God, I say don't do it. Okay? Get rid of all the other stuff. If you do these things, then you can say like Paul said, to live as Christ. For me to live as Christ. And you will have sustained happiness sustained joy your life will be joy filled you will rejoice 
You do not want to go through life being miserable and angry like I used to be with no happiness and no joy. You do not want to leave that legacy to your family. You do not want that to be your lesson to the people you love. That would be a terrible thing, right? Okay. It's not too late. It's never too late. If you're in here and you're alive right now, and I'm pretty sure most of you are, it's not too late. People know if you're happy or if you're not. I know you think you can fake us. Yeah, you think you can fool us. You can't. People know. They know it in what? They know it in your words, and they know it in your actions. Let me have Jeff come up. He's going to close us in prayer in a moment. I want you to take a quick trip with me, okay? Uh, I'm going to talk about a father and his children. You're the father, okay? No matter who you are in here, you're the dad. That's your role. And the children are either your kids, your grandkids, your wife, your husband, your best friends, whoever's the most important to you, that's the kids, all right? You're the dad. They're the kids. After church, it's a beautiful day. Let's go to the beach. So we're going to the beach. On the way to the beach, and the weather's just fantastic. Is the weather not fantastic? It's amazing. Okay. On the way to the beach, you see a moose, and it's right on the side of the uh, road. It's magnificent. It's the most beautiful moose you've ever seen, and you could swear as you're approaching that he does a (laughs) kind of winks at you, right? And you're like, when you're about to say, did you guys see that? A bald eagle swoops down, lands on his antler. You're like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And when you're passing by, the eagle's like, right? It's incredible. You get to the beach. I had a lot of co- I told you I had a lot of coffee. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> you get to the beach. You set up all your junk. Guy walks up with a Starbucks coffee. What? And it's an Americano with cream. He's like, that's my favorite drink. How did you know? And he has a lobster roll. That's just something they're doing now, right? And you're like, this is the most amazing day. I can't believe how amazing this day is, right? And then you, you look up from all your stuff, and your kids are all looking at you expectantly. And they say, Dad, let's go on the beach. Let's go swim. And they're giving you that look that if you're a parent, you've seen your kid, you've seen this look, and you've also seen the disappointment, right? Your kids don't want to go to the beach. They don't want to swim. They want to go to the beach and swim with you. Right? You're the dad. People know whether you're happy or not by your actions. There are two kinds of dads in the world. There's the dad who swims with his kids, and there's the dad who doesn't. Swim with your kids. Amen? Swim with your kids. Yeah, or surf with your kids. Sorry. This is the surfer here. And that first guy was not a wipeout. 
That first guy was headbutting the wave and then standing back up again. Experience the powerness of God in his development of the ocean. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, you have personally, personally handcrafted each and every one of us to be who you want us to be, not who we expect to be. And you are intimately acquainted with all our ways. The tangible difficulties and chaos of this world blinds us to how magnificent and awesome you are. And in you is where we find our joy. For like Maureen Anderson, you give us purpose. You give us direction. And if we just follow you and be obedient to your leading and your guiding, there will be joy in our heart that is unsurpassable. And nothing can ever take that joy away. So I ask, Lord, that you, each and every one of us, Speak to our hearts, draw us out, and let us go forth in serving you to find the joy that we truly want and long for. In Jesus' name, amen.